want to say a very happy Mother's Day to all the mums in the house. Uh, you are a blessing to your family. You are a blessing to our community. And uh, you set an example in the physical of what it means to be a spiritual mum. And uh, we all have the call to be spiritual mums or dads. And so we thank you uh, for just your commitment to being a mum. And we want to celebrate you this morning. And I do, before I get into my message, just a couple of things I just want to share with you guys. I just, and I know we've had a lot of worship on words this morning, but I just really felt a sweet sense of the spirit this morning. And, um, you know, the words that were shared, Kate talked about um, giving things over to God. And as he was uh, talking about that, I just felt the Holy Spirit remind me that he is a gentle and sweet spirit. And I know that when I was a teenager and I was um, beginning to understand what it meant to, to know the Holy Spirit in a personal way and to be filled with the Holy Spirit, someone explained to me that the Holy Spirit's like a gentleman. He doesn't barge his way into our life. He doesn't rip things from us or take things from us. Uh, and, you know, Cade was speaking about things that we, we should be letting go of. They're things that are not healthy for us or not good for us. Um, but I just want to um, just let us know this morning that the Holy Spirit waits patiently. And so I know that for some of us, well, actually for all of us, it's a long journey of giving things over, right? And it's okay to just be patient and to, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit is waiting and he's sweet and he's gentle. Um, and he, he works with us um, and at our pace often. And I, I did want to um, just really thank the musicians this morning. And I wanted to thank Will and the team this morning, um, but also all the musicians, all the people who are a part of the Divergent Worship team. You guys, you serve us so beautifully. And you provide uh, an environment and an atmosphere that allows us to engage with the Spirit in a particular way. And so I just wanted to honour you and thank you because I know that you work hard, you get up early. But um, it was just, it was sweet this morning. And so thank you for serving our community to all the, the worship team across Divergent. Thank you. Um, we are grateful that we get to come together and worship corporately. And lastly... The M&Ms. This morning's message, uh, I am titling my M&M sermon. And so I just wanted any good excuse to hand out M&Ms. I think there's always got to be a good excuse to have chocolate. And so my message this morning, it's my M&M sermon. Um, and so I just wanted to bless you with M&Ms and I hope you enjoy them. Uh, but I hope that the next time you eat M&Ms or the next time you see them or you think about buying them, um, that you'll remember this message and that it will just kind of help connect you to what I'm saying this morning. So my name is Ange. Uh, my husband Josh and I, we have four children. We live in Izmir on the west coast of Turkey 
in the Middle East. We are from Canberra. Uh, we are a part of Divergent Church. We have been here since day one. Uh, and so I'm just back in Australia for a short time. I leave on Thursday. But if you haven't met me yet, I just want to um, give you that quick introduction. I'd love to meet you and um, share a little bit more about what we're doing and, and get to know you a bit better. But that's um, just a quick overview of who I am. My daughters are with me this morning, Aisha and Zoe. Uh, my parents are here also, and my husband Josh and our two boys are back in Izmir. We have a lot of work happening there at the moment. Cade mentioned a cafe and things that are happening, and so unfortunately we couldn't be together today. Um, but Josh sends his greetings. He loves being here and he misses you guys. And um, so I want to start this morning by sharing with you the day that I remember our second son Isaiah being born. It was the 11th of March, 2007. It was a Sunday. It was meant to be the Sunday that we were hosting our first public Life City Church gathering. So we had come from Cooma. Josh and I had moved our family. Our son Joel was nine months old when we moved to Canberra. Um, not much soon after that, I was pregnant with Isaiah. And we were... Um, preparing and planning to plant what was then Life City Church. It's now Divergent Church. And so as we're preparing and planning, um, we're talking about dates and looking ahead. It was probably sometime in December, January, and Josh is saying we should start on the 11th of March. And my due date was the 6th. And I remember very clearly saying to him, you know... It's quite possible we could have a baby at that point, or maybe not, or maybe it just could be a very awkward moment to kind of book that date in. And he was like, don't worry about it, it'll be fine. Not a problem. We'll work it out. And I was like, okay. So we went ahead, 11th of March, and the plan was that um, we just asked anyone who knew us, um, our friends and our family, to come and join us at the Woden Youth Centre, and we were going to run our first public gathering. But our son had other plans. And so early that Sunday morning, we were in the car and we were driving back to Cooma because our doctor was in Cooma and I was going to hospital there to give birth. And it just seemed ridiculous. We were making phone calls. I was in labour, but we were calling our family. We were calling a good friend of ours, Matt Rendell, many of you know. And we were saying, guys, we need you. We need your help. Can you come and just do this thing for us? Um, because I'm in labour, I'm giving birth. And it just seems ridiculous, right, that the leaders of a church plant, you know, where there, there was nothing that actually existed of Life City Church, but we wanted to get it happening and we weren't even there for that first Sunday service. And I very, um, over that week, as after Isaiah was born and we just enjoyed those precious moments with our new son, the Holy Spirit just started to speak to us. And I don't know how the Holy Spirit speaks to you, but I often find he, um, he is very gentle. Um, but there are moments where I feel like he just kind of has to get my attention. And in this moment, we felt him say to us, I don't need you. And we were kind of like, what? Like, what do you mean, God? What do you mean you don't need me? Of course you need me. Like, I'm the one doing this thing, right? And he was like, no, 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 no. No, you've got that wrong. I don't need you. I will build my church. Just rest. And then he started to say to us, do you trust me? 
Are you willing to do this journey with me, to partner with me, but are you willing to know that I will look after it, I will build it? And I wonder if you've ever felt that. If you've ever had that moment where you felt like things are out of control, things are not going according to your plan, they're not working out how you want them to work out and you've got to just kind of let go and let God. And I think as mums, we know that feeling. And so I want to talk to us this morning about missional motherhood. Because for me, that moment in time, that word that the Holy Spirit gave Josh and I has been a word that we have come back to over and over and over again. We've reminded ourselves of it and it became like a pinnacle moment for me as I was stepping out and starting my journey in motherhood physically, but my journey as a spiritual mum. And who knows that if you are a disciple of Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, not only are you a disciple, but you are also a disciple maker. And that means that you are a mother or a father in the spirit. You have spiritual children to mother. You have spiritual children to father. And so I want to talk this morning about what that looks like on mission as spiritual mums and dads. Now, I do just want to pause here and say God makes it clear through Scripture that his primary relationship with us is that of a father. It is of protector, of provider. It is of deliverer. And we do not get to define how we view God. He reveals himself to us. And so primarily, we see God as father, and that is how we refer to him. I am not in any way suggesting that we start to refer to God as a mother. Okay, so don't, don't hear me get me wrong there. Uh, but what I am saying is that the, the feminine nature comes from God. As men and women, we are designed uh, in God's image. We are made in his image. And so the characteristics, the godly and the beautiful characteristics that we see in women, they come from God. They come from his nature. We do also see in scripture, and we'll get to this in a moment, but we see God reveal himself at times and respond to humanity as a mother would respond to her children. And so that's what I want to look at this morning. The way in which God responds to humanity and the way in which we are called to mother um, in the discipleship process. And so if you've got your Bibles this morning, why don't you open up to Matthew chapter 23. I'm not going to read the whole chapter this morning. I would love for you to go home and read it yourself this week. It's a doozy of a chapter. If, if you know anything about Jesus and his relationship with the Pharisees, um, that often there was very like moments of conflict. There were awkward moments where Jesus just slams the Pharisees and he highlights their, their failings and their hypocrisies. This is the chapter where just over and over and over again, Jesus is like, woe to you Pharisees. Woe to you Pharisees. You are getting it wrong. You're not doing it right. And I think that there's a lot that we can learn from them. We can learn from other people's mistakes. Can we not? In fact, better to, I think, to learn from others' mistakes before we make the mistakes ourselves. And so we're just starting in um, verse 3 because what is interesting here is the whole chapter is on how far from the kingdom of God the Pharisees are. And yet Jesus says this stunning sentence and he's speaking to his disciples. 
So he's looking at the Pharisees, but he's speaking to his disciples and he says to them in verse 3 of 23, So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. I Have you ever heard that phrase? <laughs> have you ever maybe accused somebody? Mate, you don't practice what you preach. Look at your life. Have you ever been a mum or a dad and you've, you've said to your kids, oh, you know, that your kids have caught you out and you're like, oh, do as I say, don't do as I do. I didn't, I didn't realise actually that Jesus maybe, coined, I don't know if he coined it, I guess he did, um, it's here in scripture. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do for they do not practice what they preach. Have a look at verse 13. He says, they shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Ouch. If you're like me and someone said that to you, if you had Jesus say that to you, I think you'd be pretty hurt. And so this is a really important reality in this text and where we are going. It's a confronting moment the Pharisees actually played a part in shutting the door to the kingdom of heaven for people. And you know, I read that and I think that, well, if they were able to do that, if they were able to shut the door because of their hypocrisy and because of their actions, then surely with our own actions, we can open the door wide. Jesus is warning his disciples. He's like, don't do what they do because you can open the door wide if you pay attention and if you live in a right manner. And so we then go down to the very end of the chapter and this is where I'm going to hang everything off this morning. Verse 37. Jesus is so frustrated. He is so mad. He is so angry and worked up. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you are not willing. Let's just note three things quickly from this text. Jesus condemns the Pharisees. He does not condemn them for their teaching. In fact, he says to his disciples, you can pay attention to their teaching. Now, I don't know if that was a little bit tongue-in-cheek because we all know human nature doesn't listen as much as we watch and replicate, right? But Jesus, their teaching was accurate as far as Jesus was concerned. And in actual fact, in, in verse 13 of this chapter, what we see is the, the key to their hypocrisy. Verse 13, I think I missed it. Let's just quickly read it. And I've lost it in my notes. But verse 13, oh, sorry, that says, sorry, verse 5. I have deleted it. Verse 5 is the key to understanding. Jesus says that it's not uh, so much, can somebody read out verse 5 for me? I've lost it there. It's, it's about what they, they do it for themselves. Thanks, Kate. I needed that. So everything they were doing, they were doing for their own glory. And this is important because we can, um, we can know the truth, 
we can understand the Word of God, we can walk in obedience and we still fall short. Who falls short in life? We still make mistakes. Can I tell you this morning, that is not hypocrisy. If you have fallen short in life, made mistakes, if you are trying your best to follow the Word of God but you just haven't quite fully got there yet, you're like everyone else. We are all like that and that is not hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is when you are doing it for your own glory. When the heart motivation is not to glorify God. When we fail and when we make mistakes and we repent and we come before our Father or we we come to our brothers and sisters and we say, look, I'm really sorry I messed up there. I want to do this better. That is beautiful. That is the life of a disciple. That is the life of a disciple maker. That is the life of a mother um, or a father in Christ. So I'm not, I want to just be clear on that today. I am not saying that when you fail or that when you make a mistake that you're a hypocrite. But, and I, I love that Jesus gives us that key. And so Jesus condemns the Pharisees, not for their teaching, but because their behavior came from the wrong motivations. It's there in my notes. Verse 5, everything they do is done for people to see. Secondly, the Pharisees were playing some part in people not seeking the kingdom. And so there's a warning here that if our actions are motivated by our own success, we too could close the door to the kingdom of heaven for other people. And so our role is to live out the truth of the kingdom in such a way that it brings glory to Christ. And thirdly, God's will is that people be gathered. But sometimes they're not willing And I want to spend a moment here because 1 Timothy 2 again reminds us that God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. And so what we're seeing in this passage is Jesus' heartbreak And I would say that it's the same kind of heartbreak that a mother feels over her children when they rebel. And if you're a physical mum in the house today, if you're a spiritual mum this morning, I reckon you've felt this at times. And I want to bring this up because as we disciple one another, as we invest in people's lives, there are going to be moments where for whatever reason, the person you are discipling decides they're not willing to go any further. They make their own choice and they're like, you know what, this is not for me. And you're going to have moments where there's loss and there's grief and where you think, God, I've given everything. I've done everything right. And maybe you'll be tempted in those moments to think, well, what did I do wrong? How did I stuff up? Maybe I'm not good at this. Maybe I can't keep going. But Jesus himself felt this heartbreak and he didn't get it wrong. He was like, I'm here. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm your healer. I'm your restorer. I I can bring deliverance. I know the way. Come to me. Come to me. And this is in essence what we say. We're like, we, we know the light of Christ. We know the way. We're like this shining light that shines out the goodness of God. And yet there will be moments and times where there are people who are just like, I'm not interested. I'm not willing. And so I just want to encourage you this morning that if you're in a moment like that, or that as you go along the journey, when those moments come, just take heart. 
Don't lose faith over other people's decisions. It's a part of the discipling journey. And so if we are to reach a world that is often resistant to truth, then we must hear both the teaching of Scripture in this matter, but we must also catch the heart, catch the heart of our Heavenly Father. What does it mean to understand God's heart for people as a mother does? And so let's have a look just quickly at some Scriptures that reveal God's motherly heart towards His people. Isaiah 42:14. For a long time I, God, have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp and I pant. Isaiah 66:13. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. And my personal favorite, Hosea 13:8, like a bear robbed of her cubs, I will attack them and rip them open. This is what God feels about us, his children. He's like a mother bear with her cubs. And, you know, if if someone's ever come against your kids, if you've ever watched a mum fighting for her kids, you know, a mum can get pretty ferocious. And I think there are times when we need to get ferocious about the people of God. And so here we see that maternal instinct to protect the children, that it can produce wrath and it can produce warmth. It produces pain and it produces joy and victory, celebration. And so I want to just um, cover three things today that I believe represent um, a mother on mission. Three characteristics of what a mum looks like on mission. And I'm talking about spiritually discipling the people um, that are in our lives So what I love about Jesus is that he got emotional about the people of Jerusalem. And we see a similar story as to the one we just read in Luke 19 where Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. Because I want to say to you today, number one, if you're writing notes, mums are emotional. We get emotional. After I had my kids, I cried more in movies. I don't know why. But there was something that connected me more so in these movies that I was watching that reminded me of my kids. I would just cry and cry and cry. Before I had kids, I was not the crying type. But we get emotional. We get emotional about our family. And it's that emotion that can often drive us to do what needs to be done. I think that we become more emotional because there is a greater sacrifice. And I think that this is important because I think that Jesus was emotional over Jerusalem. I think that he was moved with compassion over and over again for the people because he knew the sacrifice that he was about to pay. He knew that he was going to the cross. Mums know the sacrifice that they've paid to give birth. We know what we've done to... Um, to prepare and to carry a child. Mums and dads know the sacrifice that is needed to raise a child, the loss of sleep, the loss of time and energy, the loss of money, the loss of other relationships possibly. 
There's great sacrifice in being a mum in the faith. And as we disciple one another, there is great sacrifice. And perhaps you don't feel particularly emotional about the people you're discipling. Perhaps you're in your workplace and, you know, it's, it's not that big a deal whether people come to Christ or not. I want to ask you this morning, are you sacrificing? Are you investing? And perhaps the Lord is saying to you, you need to give a little bit more because as you sacrifice and as you invest, your heart's going to go with it. And you're going to be, be driven in a sense with that emotion that will help you rise up. It will help you persevere. I do want to add that mothers know how to party. And I think we love to throw parties for our kids. We love to celebrate. And I just want to add that in there just quickly because there are moments along the discipleship journey where we must celebrate. And we are going to be possibly celebrating with some people in moments where we are mourning and grieving with others. And a mature mum in the faith learns how to do that well. We learn how to celebrate and we learn how to mourn. Secondly, a missional mother sets an example. We are women who are do as I say and as I do. Okay, we set an example for our kids because we know that kids copy our behaviour and our actions. But I want to go a step further here and just remind us that it's not so much about our actions but about our heart. And so mothers on mission take care of their heart. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. And can I just add here that within the community, um, the nature of community, we can do so much to help one another, to spur one another on, to encourage one another. But when it comes to the issues of our heart, at the end of the day, each individual person needs to, to take responsibility for their heart. And as we are honest within a safe environment, then those issues can be dealt with. And certainly we need help in doing that. We need others around us to do that. But I want to emphasise here that each of us is responsible for our heart. And if we don't protect it from the things that it needs protecting from, if we don't open our heart to the things of the Spirit and the things that God is saying, then can I tell you, the world will ravage your heart. The world will come against it in a way that you are in no way prepared for. And so each of us has a responsibility. And a mum in the faith does that. If we find that our heart is getting hard or bitter, we repent. We seek forgiveness if we find that there's rage or unrighteous anger, moodiness and sullenness, our emotions and attitudes betray our hearts. And so a mother tends to the garden of her own heart and we make sure that it remains soft before the Lord. And lastly, missional mothers fight. We are not of those who shrink back, but we belong to those who have faith and are saved. I love this verse from Hebrews chapter 10. We fight the good fight 
And I, I mentioned that verse from Hosea about the, the bear over her mother cub. You know, there are gifts and there are tools. We have the armor of God. But there are going to be moments along the way where you've got to make sure you are equipped with that armor. There are going to be, you're going to need the shield of faith. You're going to need the sword of the spirit. And as a community, we gather one another and we fight together. And so mums and and men and women, everyone who's here this morning, I want to ask you, are there people in your life that you need to fight for? Maybe you are. Maybe you're already fighting for them and you're feeling a bit tired and weary. Then we want to pray with you and we want, to, we want to come in alongside you and fight with you. You are not alone. But there are people who are you, going to, you are going to have to fight for. We fight for our communities. We fight against injustice. We fight to bring heaven to earth. Um, another great passage in Matthew says, um, heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We are a violent people when it comes to the things of God and the Word of God. And um, we spoke about this over the weekend, but again, I mentioned JL in Judges chapter 4. She's a violent woman. She took a tent peg and she hammered it through the commander Sisera of another army. I love that woman. She was probably just an ordinary mum, mostly. Like there's only a, little, a few verses in Scripture. She's known for being violent in a really, really good way. And so I wonder what it is that you need to get angry about and you need to get violent about. Can I have the team come up, please? Charlie's going to join us. <laughs> I love being a mum. Um, I love my four kids. I love being an auntie. I have nieces and nephews. I love being a part of the family of God. And I love that as a church, we can be mothers and fathers to each other. I love that the nature of God is seen in every woman and in every man in this place that there are beautiful parts of his character and his nature. And I just want to encourage us this morning that as we invest in others, we are, like, we are mothers on mission. We are sacrificing. We are celebrating. We are fighting. And we are taking care of our heart to ensure that we can continue. And we do it together. So can I pray for us this morning? And again, if there is anything this morning that, you know, you just felt like the Holy Spirit has dropped into your heart, can I encourage you to share it with someone? It doesn't have to be me. But as we engage in Scripture and as we meet with the Spirit, it's just so good to share and to reflect it, brings, uh, it just brings a beautiful nature to our community and it refines us as the body of Christ. Heavenly Father, you are such a good, good God. You are awesome in all your ways. And we just humble ourselves before you. We are so grateful that you chose to create man and woman and that as you did, you created us in your image and that 
in many ways we reflect who you are. Holy Spirit, we just ask in this moment that you would fill us in a new way. Refresh our spirits. Restore our souls. Remind us again of what it means to be a mother in the faith. What it means to care for your people as children, as dearly and wholly loved. Remind us what it means to care for one another and to love each other and strengthen us that we would not grow weary and that we would fight to the end and that we would see your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.